We're recording. Hi, welcome to Already Finn. I'm Finn, your host. And I'm already canceled because, well, this week I am canceled because I, I swear I'm a good homie, but I haven't been a good homie by not giving, giving my homies, you know, the nice cock bro, MCMs. You know, my Man Crush Monday should always be the homie. You got to lift up. You got to lift up other black men. You got to lift them up. Hold them high. Although not all of them are black, all right? I mean, <laughs> and the other thing is I'm mad that I'm still attracted to men because this shit is the ghetto. Preach. The, the ghetto. So I'm just going to give a few quick shout outs to very specific MCMs. Mark, otherwise known as Girthquake, okay? my homie taylor you know oh lord tofer you know nice (laughs) um joel t to the zizzle all right the closer he's the closer all right um greggles making out on a couch at karaoke love you (laughs) um Matthias, Mr. Weaves, the Weavaboo, you know, I support you. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta shout out to the homie. Could you otherwise you you get your, your homies can cancel you for not being a good homie to them, you know, and I respect that. If I'm not being a good homie to you, you can cancel me. So <laughs> you are my MCMs. Um <laughs> I might, I'm, I might need a TCT, Day Crush Tuesday, so I can get them Day Thems up in there, too. Okay, my guest for this week. <laughs> <laughs> my guest for this week is someone who is probably laughing at me because, like, they remember me when I didn't smoke weed. <laughs> Wait, there was a time when you didn't smoke weed? When I was younger, when I was younger, you know. I'm pretty sure I met you after you started. Oh, yeah. Because Bishop <laughs> was already sneaking into the windows by then and out of it. Yeah. So my, my guest to this week is Ranny, the homie. We've known each other for at least 11 years now. No, God. It's yeah, been longer 11. than that. It, okay, it has to be about 13 because my 10-year reunion was last year. Yeah, and so, I graduated three. Uh, no, I graduated the year before you. Right. So I we, met you when you were a freshman. So, golly. Child. Yeah, 13 years. Damn. So. <laughs> we're so, old. We're mm-hmm. old. Trust me, I, I, I realize this every day. If it's not my knees telling me that I can't pop, lock, and drop it no more, then it's these, then it's, then it's, then it's this. This TikTok generation let me know I can't dance, and therefore I'm either. All right. The other day I was trying to whine, and my body said, "Bitch, I'm a crack," and I'm like, "Oh." Conditions <laughs> <laughs> and trying to whine. I was like, "Yeah." I was listening to Brown Skin Girls. I was like, "Let me get up in this mood." And next thing you know, my body was like, "Nah, you can wash dishes, but you can't dance." Anyway. Tell us who you are, Randy. Tell us about you, Randy. No day jobs. I want you to keep your employment. 
start. <laughs> I definitely need to keep my employment now since I just started. <laughs> okay, I'm Rani. I am the, I, I just called myself this earlier. I'm the token white friend. <laughs> um, Knowing who you are. Huh? Knowing who you are. <laughs> I mean, I, I know where I stand. Um, you, know, you know them boots in DSW? Lace that bitch up and wear it out. Yep, exactly. <laughs> what are your hobbies? I am also probably the token full nerd of the friend groups that you have. Um, I have hobbies of reading, writing, watching anime, going to K-pop shows. I have a TikTok that has 4,000 people following me. I don't know why you people did that to yourself. <laughs> I don't know why they did it either, but I think they just like listening to my head cannons because that's why they all started following me. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you also write fan fiction, so this is fair. Yeah, it's, it's part of what I write is fan fiction. So I like, my friend out in Texas, Angie, made me get a TikTok because I started writing a haiku volleyball anime fan fiction, and she she was like, "I see all these TikToks about haiku now because we're talking about about your fan fiction, and I keep wanting to send them to you, but you don't have them." So back in like August or September. She managed to convince me to download it. And then in like November, December, I started just posting random headcanons that I came up with. Like just short, little, tiny, like one minute headcanons. And people started loving them. Like the first one that I uploaded was about a My Hero Academia character named Aizawa. And I posted it because I came up with it for Angie because that's her favorite character. And, like, within, within, like, eight hours, it had gotten to, like, almost a thousand likes. And I was like, what the hell is this shit? This ain't, okay. your, this ain't your mama's Instagram. This ain't your mama's Instagram where you only My get, Instagram like... Instagram has, like, 161 followers, given I never post on there anymore. But, like, I never broke out of, like, 161. You I don't, post, like, every day at one point. Didn't you used to post your pictures? Remember when you used, when we used to go to the, the Black Flower? Did you post Yeah, pictures? the bathroom pictures. Yes! Those bathrooms were right. the perfect... Those, they were the perfect place for selfies. That was the perfect bathroom selfie that ever existed. But... The, the fucking... The naked man behind you in the women's room? Oh, Yeah. The, the first women's room, not the not the other women's room, which became the everyone's room. Yeah. That's oh because everybody loved the naked man, so they couldn't just keep it the women's room. <laughs> we need that naked man in our lives, you know? I mean, we all have some... After you have, what was it, a pink panther? A sex panther. Sex panther. After you have a sex panther... The black flower doesn't naked. exist anymore. I know. I know. That's so I, weird. It was the perfect oh. place. Also, gonna throw out the tidbit just in case, you know, any of your listeners are weird enough 
to want to try and follow me or check out what the fuck I talk about on my TikTok, my TikTok is at Bingu Rani, B-I-N-G-U-R-A-N-I, which is... I will be putting that... I'll be putting that on the new Instagram that I have for the pod. So, now, I want to start... I was going to start off with the game. We kind of jumped ahead a little bit. We bounce around. The thing about me and Randy is that we bounce around in conversation sometimes. Oh, yeah. And we Um, yell at each other because we can't. A lot. We have. This is a 13 years of us. Screaming at each other. Screaming at each other. (laughs) Just, Just screaming. Just loudly. And it wasn't because we were in a club that was blasting dubstep. No, we were just in a house. We just can't hear. We are just you worse than me, but like me also still bad. <laughs> we are bad together. <laughs> All right. So the first thing I wanted to do was, was play the game of going to your on repeat playlist. Okay. I I got I got my equivalent pulled up because I okay. don't use Spotify for anything but your podcast. Okay. So we're gonna be on our on repeat playlist and we're gonna just list our top three on repeat song so that I can judge you and you can judge me because I miss you judging me on a regular basis. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we can just keep going, okay? So you're going to say your third one. I'm going to say my third one, okay? All right, give me just a second. I got to get to my third one. Um, we're just going to say it, judge each other, and then move on to number two, okay? So my third one right now is La La Land by Demi Lovato. I actually don't have harsh judgment for you on that one because it feels very thin. (laughs) I don't, to be honest, I haven't even heard the song, but the moment you said Demi Lovato, I was like, oh, that's thin. This is when back- 100% thin. This is back when she was like on Disney Channel. When oh, she, when she, I probably have heard it. I just don't remember. She, it. she was still on Sunny with a Chance during that time. Yeah, I've heard it. I just don't remember the song. Okay, all right. Your number three. You're gonna you're gonna judge me though. <laughs> it's uh Detroita by Sugar from BTS because I love him. I you and the yeah. K-pop. You and the K-pop. You know, I always make sure I have no judgments about K-pop because I don't listen to K-pop, so I can't judge, but I don't know. I mean... But y'all fans be stands. Y'all be stands. Oh, no. Okay, okay, okay. Let me, let me tackle this one right the fuck now. <laughs> I am 100% a fan. As you can see behind me, I literally have a shitload of merch on my walls. I've been to concerts. I love my bands. But the fans that get publicity, the fans that are known, they're creepy. They're creepy motherfuckers who won't let these humans that perform for us live their damn lives. Like, they expect that they have, like, some say over them because, like, oh, you wouldn't be famous without us. Bitch, fuck you. Yeah, the fuck they would. They're talented. And what you see on stage is... Leave them alone. That's it. Yeah. What you see on stage is not necessarily who the fuck they are. 
yeah, BTS shows us a whole bunch of backstage footage, but that doesn't mean that we're ever seeing the real BTS. That means that we're seeing what they want us to see. They're showing us the character that they play on stage. And I love Min Yoongi's character on stage of Suga. I do. But I recognize that that's a character on a stage. And yes, I love his music. And yes, I love his character on stage. But I don't know shit about him. So I have no say over his fucking life. Exactly. I feel like that shit makes me so mad. We should we should let our celebrities just be our celebrities. Okay. Before like let's not. Yeah. Number two. Number two. Number two. Number two. Uh, my number two (laughs) is um. Friends don't let friends dial drunk by plain white teeth. Also, still very thin. Still um, no judgment. You know, I, I, I should have been stopped a lot of time. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure I tried to stop you a few times. That's why y'all all fake. Cause I still ended up dialing y'all fake. Okay. Um, I would like to mention that this was also the night that you. Ran across four lanes of traffic. I knew you were going to throw this in my face one day. In public. (laughs) I mean, if you want to try and call me out as a bad friend for not being able to stop you from drunk dialing, I'll in your face. Why? I don't, don't let me drive, don't let me, don't let me run away drunk. Thank you for that. That was a great birthday. I'm glad you had a good birthday that that time, but like, oh my god. <laughs> Who's your number, oh. What's your number two? What's your number two? My number two is Hikariyare by the Burnout Syndromes. And that is actually it's another it's another nerd moment. Um it's actually the I think well it's the opener for the third season of Haikyuu. Okay. In love with, so it's by the Burnout Syndromes are a uh, J Rock band, and I love J Rock. You just teaching me stuff now. Japan rock. I figured it was Japan. I figured it was Japan. Oh, I thought you said what is J Rock? You're teaching. I was like, no. I mean, I didn't know J Rock was a thing. Um, I just automatically figured it was Japan rock, which is like I'm assuming a lot of hardcore guitaring and. Maybe no, actually, most of that's mostly in like J metal, like uh, like baby metal is J metal. Oh, oh. yeah. So you're you're kind of close. So burnout syndrome syndromes would be more closely related to, and I'm going to go into like the wayback machine with you here. More closely related to like <laughs> Good Charlotte, Simple Plan, Some Forty One, Blink One Eighty Two, that kind oh. of. Simpler yeah. times, simpler times. I know, right? Oh my god! Okay. But the the sound that comes out of the lead singer's mouth does not match his fucking body or face, and I am still confused about it. But I love it because it's such a deep, beautiful voice. Make me confused and make me raise my eyebrow. That means I'm gonna keep listening. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's so my number. <laughs> So my number one is, okay, anyone who's listened to the preview of this show mm-hmm. has mentioned, has heard me mention this, this man's name, have mm-hmm. heard me, um, okay, I'm just going to say it. Uh-huh. 
Body Like a Back Road by Sam Hunt. It's still very thin, but I'm still disappointed in you. <laughs> this man! This man! This man! You know what? You know what's crazy? All my friends, all my Black friends who listen to country music have, like, listened to Sam Hunt, and we all love Sam Hunt, okay? Sam Hunt is, like, he's that, he's that one white man that you hear all the black women be like, oh, he a fine white boy. Like that shit, when you hear his voice, you're like, oh. And then you're like, this man fuck black girls. You can't tell me he don't. You can't tell me he don't. Got a girl from the South Side, got braids in her hair. I was ready. I was done. I. I said, girl, mm. let me call you back. My future husband on the phone. Like, it was real. It, I know who I am. Who is... I know where I live. I know where I live. <laughs> <laughs> that also came from the same night where I ran across four lanes of traffic. Wait. Thank you for this. You're welcome. <laughs> I should have I known better. You should have. I should have known better. Okay. I would just like to preface that I did not ask to be on this podcast. You asked me. Yeah. (laughs) It would never have my people call your people. It was, I am my own people, so I'm going to call you. (laughs) All right. What's your number one? Okay. So my number one is actually a tie. Because I don't actually have like a playlist that tells me what I've had on repeat, but I know that these are two of my go-tos now. One's more recent and one's older. Uh, so the first one is called Stone by Geary Boy. And uh, he's a K-hip hop artist. He raps, he produces, he's extremely talented. I have him on my wall too. He's just further over. Um, <laughs> I love this man about as much as I love sugar, which should tell you things. He's also one of the only ones that's within like, you know, my age and doesn't make me feel old. <laughs> he's oh, like, okay. He's, okay. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he's like 27 days younger than me. Okay. I don't feel old about that. <laughs> Because the other one makes me feel really old. No, you look at these boys and you're like, you are 21. What are you doing? You are I'm, just allowed to, you are just being allowed to drink. That is already weird. They can drink at 19 in Korea. But their 19 is also our 18. So pretty much they graduate high school and they can drink. And it's like. That's a wonderful way to do things, and why do we not do that? Why do we not? Because, bitch, I mean, I was drinking after I graduated anyway, but exactly, it, it, it just wasn't legal. <laughs> exactly. But, anyway. Uh, um, so, so the other one, the other one is called, uh, <laughs> it's called, <laughs> it's called Goddamn, but by I am he's a part of Monster X I have met them 
So I have met this man. He is very young. He was born in 96. I feel very old. But I have a I have a cute little like anecdote about him when I met him because when when I went down to go see them in Atlanta, I went to go see Monster X and we got an Uber from a few blocks away from the venue because it was raining and we didn't want to walk. So we got in the Uber, ended up, we're in Atlanta, Georgia. This Uber ends up hitting a bitch from Fayetteville, North Carolina. This is believable. We, we got into a car accident with a bitch from Fayetteville, North Carolina. My knee slammed into the back of this dude's G-Wagon's front seat, which has those hard plastic covers. Oh. Fucked my knee up. I went to the concert, was doing fine up until it was time for us to go meet them. And I stood back up from having sat down and waited and all of the adrenaline from the concert left my body and my knee almost gave out. And I was like, oh shit. Because I had been making jokes for like six months about how like I already have knee problems. When I go through the high touch, Watch me limp to make it take longer. Karma. The limp. So I was limping through the high touch and the way it worked out was there was a pause between me and the last group of people who had gone through. And I was the first person in the fucking line of my group of people. And I am is at the very end, at the very front of this like line of these seven men. And he's kind of like sitting all nonchalantly on a table looking adorable as shit. And this motherfucker sees me limp the first time. Looks like he's about to jump off the fucking table, reaches towards me and goes, oh my God, are you okay? And I, I could do nothing but just nod and be like, yeah, I'm fine. I didn't say words except for once to make one of them to look at my shirt that I had made that said Wanho Kumaneo, which means Wanho stop it. But like the entire high touch, I, I said only like one word and it was Wanho to make him look at my shirt. And then I said nothing else the entire time because I was like shaking and couldn't believe that I was actually meeting them because I've been a fan of them since they formed and I love them. But yeah, I am goddamn he is uh my newest on repeat and I love him mostly <laughs> because of his reaction to my ass limping like a dumbass so I wanted to talk to you because like you are one of my oldest friends and we have we both understand this topic very importantly um because it has shaped how we view the world it has also affected how much we have changed at people um and it's really interesting because it always tied to our views on politics our views on how we should handle relationships how uh, our views on what um we want our future to be for ourselves uh so i did want to talk to you about leaving your hometown you know getting out of the small town that you know you grew up in or you lived in for a long time um that you that really shaped 
a great deal of your formative years and your adolescence and like you know go from there you know what i'm saying yeah i mean i lived in the small town that you're from buddy (laughs) yeah you did but it's technically not your like home hometown Mm -mm. it's my hometown oh my god so where are you from I am from Nightdale, North Carolina, and (laughs) when I say this is my hometown, I mean, I was born January 1st at Wake Med Hospital down on New Bern Avenue. I was, you can look up the papers, I was the first baby born in Wake County in 1991. (laughs) We gonna gonna bring out that country accent for this. it will come out it will come out at some point there's there's no helping it um but yeah i grew up in nightdale north carolina literally like right across the street from east wake high school which means that i was on the wendell side of nightdale and if i crossed over roseville road i was in wendell so like the best way for me to describe Nightdale is I remember when driving from my grandparents' house to the Nightdale Walmart, because this was back before they even had Target. Oh, yeah. It was back before the Target was there, before they started building houses and people started, like, learning how to get to Nightdale. Like, before it became put, was put on the map. You know right. what I mean? I remember back when it was 64 business that took you through Nightdale and we didn't have 264 yet. Yeah, we had like it was like small town. I remember that when we would drive from my grandparents' house to the Walmart in Nightdale, we would take the back road. And there used to be only one light on Bethlehem from Pool Road to Bethlehem. And then that other light that turned you from Bethlehem Road, I think, into Main Street. Mm-hmm. And then you just turned and went into the back part of, like, the parking lot to Walmart. Yeah. Like, that when there was, like, small as fuck. I remember there was only being, like, three stoplights to ever have to go through. I remember everyone going to the same school. I remember when the big lots was a Winn-Dixie. When there was a Winn-Dixie. Yep, and when Nightdale Seafood was right across the street. In all them woods. Like, there was the food lion, and then there was, like, a band of fucking woods. Woods. And then there was Nightdale Seafood. And then there was also, if if we really want to talk about how old we are... There used to be a, there is a place there, they restaurant, a quote unquote chain of diners. One diner is called Highway 55. Oh, that came in so much later. Andy's came in so much later. Andy's came in there. And that's when you were like, oh, this town is changing. Oh, yeah. Like, that was when you were like, oh, so we really coming up in the world now. Right. We're doing things. We got an Andy's. Oh, buddy. <laughs> yeah. That when, like, that was a wild time. But it was such a small town. And, like, 
it changes. Like it, I remember, like when you're in a small town, the people that you see every day are the people that you see outside of school. I went to school with the same people from kindergarten until graduation. Oof. I went to school with the same damn people and and had to go to church with the same damn people Ooh. because I didn't have a choice. As soon as I got the choice, I stopped going. <laughs> we said we done. We said we done. Oh, yeah. I said, man, fuck curvy boy. I'm out here. But so like. You saw the same people every day. Did I mean? Obviously, that had an impact on your life. But uh, how did it? Like the first thing I said, it affects our political views, right? Oh yeah. How did your political views look as you were in the small town, and then change when they left, or you know, how did they form afterwards? So to an extent, my political views have kind of like since I've been able to form political views have been very, very similar at their core, which is pretty much I believe in. I believe in let people do what the fuck they want, as long as they're not hurting other people or other people's property. I am very center like you want guns. I think you should have guns. I do believe that you should have to go through background checks and all this, that and the other to get them. But if you're not hurting anybody with the guns, I don't give a fuck if you have them. If you want to have a gay marriage, have a fucking gay marriage. You're not hurting nobody. Do that. You want an abortion? Go get a fucking abortion. You're not hurting anybody but your damn self. If it goes bad or whatever, like, go do it. I'm very central in my beliefs. I just want everybody to have their personal freedom to do whatever the fuck they want as long as it's not hurting another human being or another human being's things right and that that's what i've always believed at the core but i had a lot a lot of unconscious biases that i didn't realize that i had growing up because I would, because I'm a white woman that was raised by white parents in a very white community, that I really just didn't realize I had biases there. Like I didn't, I never like in high school and through like my twenties until I like started making friends outside of what I guess my parents would have considered like good people to be around or whatever once I started like branching out more into the world I started realizing like oh like this is really different than what I thought it was or like there there's things that I thought of that I was I had believed since I was a kid that aren't true or that aren't right and it was for for the first part of my early 20s it was really hard to come to terms with it and to realize that keeping those biases 
was inherently racist itself. Right. And I had a really hard time coming to terms with that and recognizing that, like, unconscious biases are racism. And that it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm intentionally being racist or that I'm, like, a bad person because they're there. What makes me a bad person is when I'm not willing to recognize them and change them. Right. And actively work towards fixing it. Right. And no. moving out of North Carolina helped me realize more quickly how to look at what's being told to me by specifically people of color that, yo, what the fuck are you saying? Like this, 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 and this. Or like if they ever took the emotional labor time to actually explain something to me or tell me to Google something, which I'm very thankful for now. Like if anybody ever spent that on me, like I'm so grateful because now I've learned to take that and recognize that it's not necessarily them calling me out and just being like, Oh, you're an awful fucking person. It's them saying, Whoa, like take a moment, educate yourself because whatever you're saying is awful and not that I'm awful because I've said it. Right. And I think a lot of people like, okay, so I, you know me, I've always like growing up, I've always had friends of again, every different creed, color, background, mm-hmm. um, mindsets, you know, diff- just social crowds, whatever. And a lot of them were white. Um, And one thing that... It's kind of hard not to have a lot of white friends in Nightdale, though. It really wasn't. Like, you all... That's all you... Like, that's all you knew. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, And one thing about that place is... I remember when I left and people started hearing that not even when I left, before I even left, I started saying, no, this is racist. You know what I'm saying? And people would get offended by me saying this is racist, thinking that I'm calling them a racist, right? Now, I'm not calling you a racist until you keep perpetuating racist ideologies. You know what I mean? it's, It's up to a point that I'm willing to deal with it. And I think I think that's why one of the reasons like why you and I have remained such good friends is because you're, you are able to say, yo, I fucked up. You know what I mean? And like, I mean, I know I fucked up in my own um, ways of sometimes how I spoke to you guys. Yeah. But I also, I mean, I'm not saying it's an excuse, but like, I also attribute it to like, I was just so angry and I had finally recognized that anger. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna claim my call out yesterday. Or, uh, <laughs> not it wasn't even by the time this airs, it's not even yesterday on the last episode. I'm gonna claim my call out. <laughs> I'm gonna claim it because I deserve a call out for it because it was fucked. But I'm also gonna give a small call out to your ass because when you were living with me. And you, you had that moment where you said, I'm feeling racist today. I mean, I was confused as shit. I really was. And I definitely reacted to that wrong. I 100% deserved that call out. That was 100% my fucking bad. 
the one thing I will give a call out to you on was <laughs> this was at the time where you had that motherfucking dog in my house. Oh. And you were avoiding me, which made me have to take care of your damn dog. Yeah. I was cleaning up your dog's shit. I was cleaning up your dog's piss because you weren't coming home and taking the dog on a walk. And like, avoid me all the fuck you want. Call me out all the fuck you want. Yeah. But don't let your dog shit up my house. So I was a li- like, my oh, anger elevated. I get it. Like, you were angry with me. Yeah, my like- anger elevated because of the dog shit. Yep. Like, and, not just and, literal, but also. Yeah, like, we were both like, and I was just like. We were both angry. angry at different things, and we reacted entirely wrong. But I will give you your little bit of a call out there. Uh, but I know, you I get 100% that. needed to call me out on my shit. Yes. I and, back like, you I, up and accept that call out. Yeah, I, I know. Could we had it, a we had a come it. could we had a come to Jesus moment about the dog? Yes. We had a come to Jesus moment about the dog. And okay. then and then we had another come to Jesus moment about like, you know, um about racism, right? And yeah. so we like and the one that the reason I I really remember the the one about racism was because we did it out in the canopy in the backyard. Yes. So, and it was like the perfect weather for it. And it was just like, it felt it like an Carolina open- come to Jesus meeting that's ever existed. Like, I didn't we have like a fire going and we were on. We were just like mountains. having real talk. We were having real talk. We were having beers. Like we had the fire. Like we were good. And it was one of those moments where I was like, damn, I'm leaving a conversation with a white person about what racism is and why I've been reacting the way I've been reacting at that time. And they came out letting me know that they appreciate me talking to them. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And and it felt like by that time, that's when I was like able to let out my anger in a calmer manner. And then they have in a healthier manner because I was like, not for nothing. Like I was at that point where I was just like, yo, fuck everything. Oh yeah. And I, I knew that something was fucking wrong. Right. I knew that something was wrong at your core and that you just couldn't figure out how the fuck to tell me. Cause I knew that this wasn't, how we normally interacted together like we were we've never been the people to avoid each other right like we might get into a screaming match but we're gonna talk about whatever the fuck is bothering us right and that was and that's why i love about like that's one of the things that i love about our relationship and how like we were able to get through and like that's how we've been able to get through stuff together because like again we lived in a small town and we were two people who were always on the outside and we bonded because of that, right? And so, like, I always appreciated our friendship and how we were able to push through. But, so, we met in high school, right? So, you went to East Wake High. Yep. You went to Zebulon Middle. Yep. And what elementary school? Carver. Carver? Oh, Carver? Yeah, I went to Old Carver for kindergarten and first grade, and then in my second grade year, they built New Carver, and my class 
you know that stupid like tree mural thing in the like grass outside of new carver yeah my class was one of the classes that actually helped make that (laughs) yeah i went back so so we had three playgrounds at new carver and all of us lost our minds and oh then we had back to go when you knew the town was growing when they're we the bigger through, we had to go through a full week of being in pe class learning how to use the playground so that we wouldn't get hurt <laughs> we're all like seven seven and they're like now when you use this you're holding on you do not put your legs on this you do not hang upside down from this what was the first thing we did? Hang upside down from it and spin it around. Oh, on a fucking playground. Oh my God. They were right. teaching us to use the equipment. We never use that equipment correctly. So you, but you went to like, you went to all three of those schools in like small town. Like so. With exactly the same people. Right. In elementary school, my mother had to call Carver and be like, do not put her in the same class as I'ma just say privy boy. And I think you know who that is. Yeah, I do. Do not put her in the same class as privy boy ever again. <laughs> and it's like, and it's like when your parents call tried to. And when your parents call, like that's when you know they know your parents. Like I remember when I was in fucking when I was in fucking Eastwick High, they knew my grandfather's car because he had that mint green Lincoln. Oh, yeah. And, like, first of all, you couldn't tell my grandfather nothing about his mint green Lincoln. No, you couldn't. He was like, look, the seats are... are- Grandpa Ernie was set in his ways. He was set in his ways. Like, I, when I talk about Poppy, I'm like, look, we lived in a small town and everybody knew this man. They knew him at the post office. They knew him at the Walmart. They knew him at the Lowe's Food. Alright? He went to them bitches weekly. And that, uh, what was it? The the sport, the, um, the sports the, bar. The sports page. Sports page. There we go. Yep. That. Mm, that's another thing. Do you know how you know when you know you live in a small town? When your grandparents go to the same bar every Thursday night and they end up becoming really good friends with your ex-boyfriend's parents. And they're like I got one better for you. My grandpa got a key to the Waffle House. Your grandpa got a key to the Waffle House? Yeah, my grandpa had a key to the Waffle House. On Nightdale Boulevard. When we had his funeral, when we had his funeral, because he went there every day, a lot of like the cooks and the waitresses actually came out to his funeral. Oh my God. Yeah. I love that town. (laughs) (laughs) That is still the cleanest Waffle House I've ever been inside. It really is, though. I want to ask you then. So Mm -hmm. after. Like growing up in that small town, living there for most of your life, did it? Remember, we used to have a joke when we used to go out to the club, and we used to, and we used to always say, "Your mom prayed for us because she got that direct line to God." I still use that. That direct line to God is real. 
It's no fucking joke, man. But like, because of that, your mom, like, you know, your your mom is very spiritual, very close, and you know, very very much about her Christian religion. Are did did you get that same feeling when you left home? That like my mom had some direct line watching over me or something. Or that did you feel that like growing up in that very spiritual environment? Like, did you feel like you know you are a same level of spiritual as your parents were? I'm definitely not the same level of spiritual that my parents were. And I think part of the reason that I'm not is because of how intense they were about it. At least my mom, my dad, my dad is very, very spiritual in a quiet manner. My dad is very much the person that when he'll, he'll like, he'll speak to me. And he'll talk to me about something and he'll like give me my little mini lecture of the week <laughs> about, about whatever it is, whether it's saving money, getting a better job, what whatever it is. They're all everybody is happy with my job currently. So I'm not getting the get a better job lecture anymore, which is wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> but like my my dad'll say his piece and then towards the end, he'll throw in, you know, just like you just have to trust in God and trust what God has planned for you. And like, he'll throw in little spiritual things. Whereas my mother, (laughs) my mother, if I call her for the smallest thing and like, not her, like, like I, my favorite, what my, the best way to say it is like the way your dad would throw in a few little things. Your mom doesn't just throw in. She will molly whop you and beat the Christ into you that day. No, it's a it's a rocket launcher. <laughs> there is nothing subtle about my mother and her spirituality. I could call my mom and tell her like, oh, I stubbed my toe. And my, my mom will be like, you know, if you leave it to God. And it's just like, what? Hold on. I stubbed my toe. Woman. Are we going to call God about a toe? What? Like... Even even by Christian standpoints, we've been taught God helps those who help themselves. Like, why are you telling me to take this little tiny thing to God? Like, hold up. Breathe. He needs a break. <laughs> he needs a break, mother. The man has a full-time job. Exactly. Okay? The man <laughs> has, it's not even a, it's not even a 40-hour-a-week job. It is a 365, seven-day-a-week job. All right? Oh yeah, twenty four seven three six five. That motherfucker on it. Oh my! I God. can't bother him with my stubbed toe. But it's so funny because, like, I remember living in, like, when I was living down there. It was like you felt, you feel the need to have to be Christian to fit in. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like okay, so most of my life. I've been the odd one out because so I actually read a lot of studies about it, which is also the reason why whenever anybody tells me they want to move to a small town to raise a family, I'm like, don't fucking do it because there's a study that shows that we as humans are societal animals. Like we like forming societies. 
But for us to form societies and for these societies to function, we need to designate outsiders. Right. So if you grow up in a small town and you're going to school with the same people from kindergarten to graduation, if you were designating, designated as the outsider from like kindergarten, first grade, second grade, any of the time in there, you are the outsider until you get the fuck out that town. Yep. And I have always been that outsider. So it didn't matter that out of every kid that I went to church with, I still went to church every Sunday, every Wednesday. I sang the praise songs. I was a part of the course. It didn't fucking matter. It didn't fucking matter that I was doing all these things. And And I noticed that in middle school. And that's when everything broke. And like, it also didn't help that I was going, of course, through puberty. And I have polycystic ovarian syndrome, which means I have a higher level of testosterone, which fucks with my hormones. So I have a higher likelihood of being depressed and having depression. So I had that on top of I'm the outsider, even though I've done everything I can to fit in. Yeah. And I finally said, you want to know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do what I want to do now. And I'm going to dress the way I want to dress. And I'm going to say what I want to fucking say. And if you have a problem with it, we can fucking talk. But if you're not going to listen to me, fuck you. And it's crazy because, like, I remember... Like, living down there, like, being told I'm going to hell for not believing in everything that they believed in. Mind you, I come from a very diverse family when it comes to religion. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I come from a family with with Roman Catholic, with American Catholic, which there is a difference. Um, Oh, I know. Christian, uh, 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 Baptist, uh, Methodist, Stancheria, um, Jewish. Like, it all is in my family, right? So. I didn't think I was never told I had to be one way about religion. So, oh, I was. And growing up like that, when going into a world where people were always so like homogenous when it came to religion, but yet, but yet still segregated because you knew that there was a black church, you knew that there was a white church. Oh, yeah. We, we knew that Elevation Church on Newburn Avenue was where they had all the damn good music <laughs> because you'd hear it. And then you hear it on the drive. You'd go to Hepzibah and you'd get them old Southern hymns. Or if you went on Wednesday, you got the praise band, which was singing like Toby Mac. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, Okay. But it's funny because like. Hepzibah actually one year did a joint. uh, I want to say it was. I want to say it was around Christmas or Easter. They did a joint service with, do you remember, you, you remember where Hepzibah is, right? Yeah. You remember the church that built over there back behind what used to be a car lot? Yes. So that church was a black church. I don't actually know what's going on with that now, mm-hmm. but they, Hepzibah and that church, I can't even remember its fucking name. They did a joint, uh, I want to say it was Christmas, but it could have been Easter. It was one of the big Christian holidays that they did like a joint service together. And the choruses like came together to do things. And that was like, 
groundbreaking. I mean, it, it funny which was like, dumb. It and it only happened crazy. one year, and I was just like, "Why can't y'all do this every year? Why can't y'all like?" Well, I mean, you know, because well? you know, the big thing is, let's talk about it. I'm going to say it. The big thing in that part of the world, that little section of the world, the big thing happens every year in East, um, not Easter time, well, around Easter time in April, you know, early May, where all the schools get together from Eastern Wake County and have a very beautiful event that we would like to call Stars in the east. I was a part of that for so many years. Because band. We had we all have trauma for this. Okay. This was like the worst showcase <laughs> that I like in my mind, it was the worst showcase I had ever seen. Because it was like, why did you bring children who can't sing with the children who can? I mean, okay. I Let me start with children who cannot sing who was with the children who can't. So this is why I'm saying that. You can break my spirit. I wish you would. I would have made my grandparents stop putting me on that stage. My participation in Stars in the East was never actually as a performer. The East Rake High School marching band was asked to come in as volunteers. Because David Arnold, I love that man so much. He was a crotchety old man that taught us music, and I love his ass to the moon and back. That man, I love him. I will never not love him. He threw a symbol at somebody for sleeping in band one day. I love him so much. <laughs> We're going to abuse our students, but you know what? That taught us real lessons. So, like, you're one of the one. <laughs> but, so, he... The drum, the percussion class would always participate. And the percussion class was always like the best person to ask to participate anyways, because they always got to do all the fun shit, like all the like weird little like shows and everything. And <laughs> I remember one year they did, uh, they did, it was either Mission Impossible music or James Bond music. And Shane, <laughs> you know, Shane. To protect the innocent, I'm not saying I know this person. I'm not saying a, that I had a, a crush on this now. person. I'm I just not, want to mention he's a K-pop fan. He actually went to go see EXO. I'm not I, saying like, that I. I'm not he's saying become best friends. That I'm not saying that this man is still a gorgeous man. He is so much better with the shorter hair. I'm not saying I, I like know this man. Hair. I'm not saying I know this man. But he was in Stars in the East with you. He was in Stars in the East with the percussion, with the okay. percussion class. Yeah. And they did this like James Bond or Mission Impossible music. And he did this running leap into a tucking roll and then stood up and held up this like crystal diamond shaped paperweight. It was funny as shit. But I was always there as, like, the person to, like, usher in the next act and get them in standby and, like, make okay. sure everybody's going on time and all that shit. And it's funny because, like, a lot of those times when you're in Thursday the East, you're, like, you recognize people or teachers that you had in the past from another school. 
Oh yeah. And you're like, oh my God, hey. And they're like, hi, how are you? How, do you remember? Okay, I'm speaking of running into teachers. I used to go to, so at one point in my life, I went to Hard Road Elementary. Yeah, you told me. And I had this teacher and her daughter was like, I don't know, her daughter, when I was in elementary school, I thought both of her daughters were always like awesome as fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? I thought her daughters were awesome as fuck. And I thought they were like the coolest people. And like this teacher, she, my grandparents had this thing of like becoming friends with like a lot of my teachers. Oh, yeah. And like to the point where I have had teachers at my house with my grandmother drinking wine. That's how I found out teachers lived outside of school. Because <laughs> they were at my house. I found that out because a lot of my teachers went to Hepzibah Baptist Church in Wendell. Okay, I mean, that's fair. But I remember running into that teacher as an adult. One day I was visiting North Carolina, um, and my grandparents, you know me, like, when my grandparents got into their, like, their 80s, I was ready to, like, you said you needed something? I got it, Grandma. Like, whatever you need, right? Oh, yeah. And my grandmother sent me to Lowe's Food to go get some to go do some grocery shopping for her, and that made me happy because if I would have let her go by herself or with somebody else, they would have been in that store for like five hours. Because for the life of me, my grandmother—it's not because she was old. Okay, it's not because she was old. This she was stopping to talk to everybody. She was trying to talk to everybody. She was looking at the ingredients on the back of things. Like, she's not looking at the ingredients because she's like, oh, somebody might be allergic to this. She's looking no, at because the... she tried to kill me one time with onions. She... <laughs> you know, old people don't believe in allergies. But she tried, she would, like, read ingredients and, like, de- debate between which one is better. It wasn't a price thing. It would just, oh, I haven't had this brand. Maybe I should try this brand. Like, she would be in there for five hours, okay? Oh, yeah. And so, like, I would go to learn food for her just so I, I could knock it out in, like, 45 minutes because I know what she wants and I know I'm going to end up talking to people for like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I remember one time I ran into the teacher and I knew her in elementary school and here I am 27 years old running into her and I'm like, yo, she's like, oh my God, how you been? I'm like, yo, your daughter married my homegirl brother. Like, I know shit. How you been? <laughs> I'm the mystery here. You ain't. That, I, but I loved that town. Like, a, like looking back now, like I fucking loved it. Speaking of running into teachers, I'm gonna segue into something that uh, that you're going to relate to, and then I might upset you with. I think I know where this is going. If we're running I, I think you know exactly where this is going. How old were we? How old were we? Did we have X's on the back of our hands? Yes, we did! <laughs> Washed them in the bathroom to drink like the band? <laughs> the one time. We are not saying we this saw, teacher's name. You like are not saying this teacher's name. Oh, you are not saying this teacher's name. But he knows who he is. If oh, he, he knows who him. he is. So we saw him out at Legends. 
at the which gay club. Which is in Raleigh, which is in Raleigh, which is right next to Night Girl. That was our big move. We left the town that we were in to drive 15 minutes away and live in the quote unquote city. The city. <laughs> the city. That's not a city, that's a large town. And we went to this one gay club all the fucking time. Which, let's be honest, outside of what, like two others, it was the gay club. It was the gay club. You did not care about paying to get into the bitch, okay? You would pay 20 bucks to go in to pay fi- to pay like $15 for the fucking Red Bull. Okay, no, wait. When I, when I remember when I started drinking, when I turned 21, I remember I we would pay eight dollars to get in. Oh, yeah. I would I would pay eight dollars to get in. I would pay a minimum a minimum of fifteen dollars, which was like five Heineken. So we're talking twenty three dollars already, and then we're talking thirty now from twenty three to thirty because I would be giving drag queens my money. Oh yeah. You could go in there and not tip every drag queen that sang a song. You knew who they were. And we had like some. We had favorite drag queens. We had favorite drag queens. We had a gay, you a Miss Gay USA who was a regular. We did. Like, we. She was amazing and I loved her. Oh my God. Like, we, like, we went there and like, that was our spot. But as you were saying, we did run into a teacher there. Yeah, we ran into the person that we we all were just like, ooh. Because he had the, Okay, first of all, we have to remember when we went to when we were in high school, he was in like his mid to like 20. Yeah, he was like 26, I think, when he's so his, 25 when he started like teaching band for us. Right. So like this man at that time he was like 10 years older than me. I was like man. 17 when he started. Right. So, so he like, was, like, I was like Still within an age range of where, like, this is a we could look at him myself dating, right? Like, he was like, you know, he was still young enough, but he was an adult, and like, we could crush on him. And then, and then, like, when we became adults and we saw him in the club, I remember I used to be like, Oh, hi, I don't have words right now. You are still fine, your booty is still delicious, like. I I have to walk away from you and go to the dance floor. Yeah. Like yeah. um so the part that's going to disappoint you is I realize that I hate that man. Okay, we are not slandering him. We are not No, it's not slander. It is it goes to his fucking character. So you you remember That part might get edited out. Keep going. <laughs> I hope not because you need to understand why it is not an it is not just a bias it is shit that I found out much later my mom years after the incident where we met him at legends I was talking to her about it we're talking about him and how like I really enjoyed having him as a teacher for band and everything and my mom goes I never really liked him. And I was like, wait, why? Now, for my mom not to like somebody, for her not to like someone. That takes a lot. Takes a fucking lot. Like, my mother is 100% like, 
Christians really do have that thing, like, love your neighbor as you love yourself. My mother stands by that. My my mother has her unconscious biases, and she is very hard-pressed to not change it, but we are working on baby steps. But my mother is 100% the person that loves her neighbor, and she loves herself, and she likes everyone. My mother does not like him. Because I don't know if you remember my junior and senior year, how bad everything was for me yeah i remember no i definitely remember yeah so it was so bad that i would go home from band practice crying because it was just awful like nobody gave a shit nobody cared about band nobody like this wonderful thing that literally was my lifeline in high school which was marching band which is such a nerdy thing to say but I loved so desperately became something that hurt me so deeply in two years and my mother when everybody was saying everything they were saying about me when everybody was doing all this stuff to make my life miserable my mother went to him as the teacher and told him everything and told him about how I was coming home crying every day, how they were treating me horrible, what they were saying to me, what they were saying about me, stuff that she heard that I didn't even know they were saying. And she said, she said to him, look, you're the teacher. I understand that you're new and that you're trying to make sure that everything's going well here. But you need to get this under control because if there is one person in this band that cares about this band more than life itself at the at this point, it's Ranny. And he said, "Okay, I'll look into it," and didn't do shit. My mother went to him four separate times my junior year. My junior year, my senior year, every single competition, every time we voted on something, every time we did anything, my mom went to him and was like, what are you doing? You know that she cares. You know that she legitimately wants this to be a career for her. And you're making it something that's traumatizing for her. Right. And you're not trying to fix it. You're not trying to make it a safe place for her. And this is what it's always been for her is a safe place. What are you doing? And this man blew my mother off. And you every know, time my senior year, he was playing a popularity game and trying to just be a popular teacher and have every other kid like him. And I was the odd one out. And that, and that, so I don't, so, I wouldn't uh, even say that the word hate applies, but I no longer like him mm-hmm. as a teacher or as a person. No, I get that because, like, one thing is, though, the two parts about this actually. One thing is, like, when you're a teenager, you, especially if you're a teenager going through depression. Oh, yeah. You have this one or two things that are your lifeline. This is keeping you from going off the deep end, right? Yeah, band literally, I can literally say that the only reason I did not die by suicide Mm -hmm. 
is because I had band and I had music and I had a passion. And if it wasn't for that, I would have just killed myself. I really would have. And I get that because like, and it's crazy because a lot of teachers don't realize that you could actually save one kid's life just by listening to their parents or listening to that kid. Which was the biggest reason why I wanted to be a teacher for so long. Right. And why I went to school for music education because I wanted to be what Mr. Arnold was for me. And and that is why I love Mr. Arnold to death. And it's crazy because like, I remember I wanted to be an English teacher at one point in my life. I know. And <laughs> and it would because every English teacher I had ever had, except for one, had always made me want to be that teacher who listened to their kids. Who you, you remember the hippie English teacher at East Wake, right? Yes. I loved her so desperately. So I had her in my junior year. Same. And I had her my junior year, and that class that I had, I mean, there are people in that class that I'm still friends with to this day, because that was just like that time, like that English teacher brought us together, lifted us up, made us laugh. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. There was- She was hilarious. She was great. She told, (laughs) one time she told us an anecdote about like how she had a student that was cheating on the test that they wore like a big bangle bracelet and they had a paper taped inside the bracelet that had all the answers on it and one of the kids in my class goes that was you wasn't wasn't it and she she was just like how did you know because everyone knows it's funny we respect it we respect you more as a teacher and you know because we all had teachers you know what's funny is we all went to school with each other or somebody's sibling. Oh, yeah. Like, everyone knew everyone. Like, I don't... I think, yeah, you had already moved um, about the time that I was going through, like, the first part of my separation and everything. Um, But, so, I made a friend and... I'm sure you remember this. Back in 09, there were three sets of senior pranks. There was the one that was harmless. That the one would, that, were they, that they spelled in the world the senior wrong? Yeah, I remember that. that. That was one of them. There was a second one that was harmless, where they took the picnic tables and put them up on the archways. Yes. Well, there was the third one that was organized by, like, four people that I'm pretty sure also did not graduate because they slashed all of the bus tires. I remember this! So, for those who don't know, East Wake High School was the hub for all of Eastern Wake County's school buses. Yeah. And we had seniors, four seniors, who decided to go around and slash all the bus tires. This affected the entire eastern side of Wake County. 
Yep. Leesville High School was one of those. When I made friends with Reese, we were talking about our high school days. I don't know why. That was <laughs> dumb. We shouldn't have done that. We should but not we have did. done that. And Reese was telling me how he would ride buses to school. And then he told me how, like, there was one year where for some reason he was having to ride the bus for, like, a few weeks with people from a different high school. And it was, like, the bus schedule had completely changed and everything was hell. And I was like, oh, shit. That's because of some fuckers in my senior year at my school. And he was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I was like, <laughs> yeah. These four fuckers went and slashed all the bus tires. He was like, that was at your school? I was like, yeah, I knew them. I knew all of them. I, we, Once, they, we were all... named. Once <laughs> they were named by the press, <laughs> we all knew who they were. Everyone at East Wake knew who they were. And every single one of us was not surprised. It None was, of us I, were surprised. It's so crazy. And it's like, it's funny that once I left Nightdale, once I left there, people, like every once in a while, people would ask like, you know, where are you from? Blah, blah, blah. And I would always feel like, I feel like because like my grandparents lived there until they died, because my mom lived there, like I call that my hometown, you know? Yeah. Um, And because like I still have, I have so many friends from there. Well, I had a lot of friends from there at one point Same. in my life. Um, so I always call it my hometown. I, I explain to people, oh, it's in North Carolina. It's right outside of Raleigh. Do I have to explain to you the town? Because it's, we're not one of those horse and buggy towns. We're above that. Okay. Nothing which wrong. Barely. Which there's nothing wrong with horse and buggy, but like y'all keep y'all keep trying to act like we backwards. We're not. You know, we are we were the least backwards small town in eastern Wake County. In eastern Wake County, I'll agree, because there's some western counties, small towns that are a little bit less backwards than us. We know this. We we know this. <laughs> but like that ain't saying much. But like it's funny because like I, I always try to explain to people. I remember one year they did a senior prank. And it was a terrible senior prank. And I have to explain to people, like, this is the kind of shit I went to high school with. This is why I was this, so much. Was this so when much, I was still at Eastwick? Or yeah. after I got, oh, which one? And I was so, this is why, like, so much anger built up inside me living in that town. Oh. The year when they said the, the quote-unquote prank was, and it was first period when you walked into school. Yeah. A bunch of rednecks. Raise the Confederate flag on South Campus. And I never seen so many Black people turn one corner so fast in my fucking life. They was ready to fight. Fight. And, and don't my reaction at the time was awful. Mostly because all I wanted to do was sleep through my civics and economics class. And this girl came in just screaming. And I, I own my, my bit of wrong there because I told her to shut the fuck up so I could sleep, pretty much. I was just you like, you want to know what? They fucking lost. Anyway, Randy. Now I'm just like, no, that was wrong. 
you should have been sleeping in school. But anyway, it was a it was such a bad prank because it wasn't a prank, right? It wasn't it was a prank. Like, that was awful. And so like, many now, looking kids. back on it now, I'm just like, my reaction to it was awful. But also, what the fuck is wrong with you fuckers? And these kids, like, they sweat. Like, to this day, these people are adults now. And like, a bunch of... And the, they still... The, the and they still... Because white kids were actually part... Like, it was... Most of East Wake was actually pretty well divided. Like, there was actually, like... It was, like, half white kids, half black kids, and then, like, the small portion of, like, Hispanic kids and, like, the three Asian kids that went to school with us. But it's crazy because, like... So many of these kids now are adults, and a lot of them never left Nightdale, and they are still flying the Confederate flag. Yeah. And you can't tell them shit. They're like, it's Heritage, not hate. Bruh, no, that's straight hate. It is straight up hate. That shit's straight hate, and it's not fucking okay. Like, but we're still, we're talking about, we're talking about a town where people drive to the next county so they can participate in mule death. I don't know what that is. Mule Day happens in Johnson County. Once a year, everybody celebrates mules and horses and ponies, and they're just riding around. See, the only thing I really remember with horses is that one year they had drive your tractor to school day, and some kids showed up on their horses, and they, like, practically had to lock the school down because the horses got loose, and they were scared a horse was going to hurt itself. We, lived, we, we went to school near farms. We really did. We went to school next to farms. Drive to your tractor to school day was a big deal. That is the really most, did show the fuck up on that is the days. most country ass shit that you could put yourself and your child through. The biggest club in the entire school was the FFA, the Future, Future Farmers, Farmers of America. America. And by the way. Do you know that when you are a future farmer of America, you are not talking about you you say America, but you just mean the United States, okay? Can we just say that? Because America is two continents, bitch. Oh yeah. Okay. I often feel like I need to remind people of that. Because like Oh no, trust me, because I constantly whenever somebody says America, I'm like, oh, you mean Canada too. Canada is part of America, so is Mexico and Honduras and El Salvador and all the Central American countries and also South America. That's America. This one side of the globe, this one big long two continent stretch, that's America, bitch. And it was all named after one man whose name was Amerigo. And yeah. Okay, didn't know that. Cool. What the fuck? History is weird. History is weird. I mean, but like we lived in such small towns where country and and like I mean, it's funny. Like going, like leaving that small town changed the world for me. You know, like oh, me too. It's funny. My earliest memory that I have, my earliest memory that I have was we were my mom had me in the back seat of the car. And she was in the front seat and she was parked on 205th Street and talking to somebody, one of my cousins, outside of the window of the car, right? Mm-hmm. This was in Queens. Yeah. And I remember hearing five o'clock in the morning by 
nonchalant, which is like such a 90s song. It's 90s hip hop. It's like five o'clock in the morning. Where are you going to be? Outside on a corner. Like, you are, we are talking about the ghetto. And that was one of my happiest childhood memories, just hearing five o'clock in the morning, being surrounded by Black people, just feeling that, right? And it's in like, my world changed when I moved in with my grandparents and started going to white schools and all that stuff changed, right? So like, I remember one day I was living in Nightdale and I was living in Nightdale. My grandfather was going through cancer for the first time. Mm, yeah. And my cousin came up from Florida. So this cousin, my cousin Jay, he is my grandmother's, he, the apple to my grandmother's eye, all right? The apple to my grandmother's eye. He was the one. You told me about him before. He was the one that graduated high school, got a scholarship to one university, then then got a scholarship to another university, and like played basketball and graduated high school and pursued his passion, and then had the kids after he had a job and a career and all that stuff. Like so, he did everything right, quote unquote. So he was always the apple to my grandmother's eye. And that sounds day, like Grandma Judy's favorite. Yep. Yep. And so, like, we were sitting on the front porch, just him and I, and we're drinking some beer. And he said to me something that fucked with me to this day. He said, you know, you're in Nightdale. You're living at your grandmother's house taking care of your family. No one would fault you for leaving. Yeah. Um, if you wake up in 10 years and said this is still what I want to do, then I'll believe you. But I'm not going to believe you right now saying that. I'm pretty sure we had a conversation very similar to that at one point when you moved back the second go around. Yeah. When you were living with me, because I was like, you're not happy. Yeah. Obviously aren't. And I, I remember telling you, like, I know that you want to be here because these are the people that raised you. But I think I said something similar along the lines of take care of yourself first. And in my brain, like now with things that I've learned since then that have become more prevalent around was take care of your mental health first, because I could see you suffering and going down like a really dark hole because I know that this was like, and I'm not going to say there's anything necessarily wrong with this lifestyle, but you were just, you were going out and drinking every single night. You were like, yeah. And I didn't want, and you hated your job. You hated everything that you were doing. You hated just everything. And it was just eating you up inside. And I just remember thinking like, you just need to get the fuck out. Yeah. Like I, I mean, I remember, like, after my cousin and I sat there and said that, like, he said that to me, but a while, I just kept denying it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I kept denying it. But then one day, it was just like, I was at work, and I just started brushing up my resume. And then I started sending my resume out to every office below 14th Street in Manhattan. Every office. I just kept sending in my resume. And then... I remember I hopped on that Greyhound. I listened to Mike Posner from point A to point B. All right. And surprised it wasn't pitch perfect. <laughs> I mean, it was in there at some point, maybe at a rest stop. Um, and I got off the bus. 
I went to grandpa's house in Brooklyn. And once I did my interviews, every, after my interviews, I would always set up my interviews for the morning from like, from like 9.30 to like, like 1 p.m. From 9.30 to 1 p.m., I'd have interviews for a full week. And I would, after every interview, I would take the train from, from like somewhere downtown, financial district, Soho, wherever, all the way uptown to 50, 59th Street and just go to Central Park, lay out on a blanket and just eat like a snack and just relax and be like, I am in New York. I'm feeling safe. I'm feeling happy. You're like, I would feel, and once I got a job, everything just came off of me. You know what I mean? Yeah. All of that depression, because like small town life, while for some people it works, for some people it is the greatest thing for them. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. I don't, and I don't fault them for that. I think everyone should be free to live the dream life that they want to live for them. I will, I will fault people who decide that they're going to raise families in small towns because Just because of what I've said before about like when you grow up with the same group of people, you're either in the group or you're on the outside and that fucks you up so bad to yeah. constantly be that person on the outside and do everything you can to try and be in that group and be a part of it and just never be able to and I think that's a lot of what's wrong with a lot of kids in small towns is that they're either trying to continuously stay a part of the group or they're trying to get into the group and they haven't reached the point where they're just like you want to know what fuck it I like because I remember I resonated with that song by Jordan Pruitt. I'm gonna say this is how gay I am. This is how gay I am. I listened to Disney Channel like music videos when I was a kid. I watched them or whatever. And Jordan Pruitt had a song called Outside Looking In, and I related to that shit so hard. But it's because like I always think like you know when you're watching like a movie, especially on like ABC Family. And it's always the stereotypical high school story. These are the jocks. These are the preps. These are, you know, the nerds and blah, blah, blah. And everyone was always so separated. Like, that was living in a small town. And yes, while we had... People people think that's made only for movies, but that's how life really fucking is in these small towns. And it's crazy because, like... so segregated and so separated once you get into these schools that... There's no leaving the group that you're in. Once you're in a group, that's it. That is who you can make friends with. And it's funny because I remember I got very lucky. I had friends from so many different groups. I was lucky, but I only had like one friend from each group because the rest of the people in the group would look at me like I was the devil. or I Because I was the kid who came out. Like, first of all, I was the kid, and it's not even me coming out. In my family, there was no coming out except for with my grandfather because I wanted to make sure that, like, my Roman Catholic no-no would still love me. But, like, everyone else, it wasn't me coming out. It was me, like, so I got a boyfriend. My parents still ignore the fact that I'm not straight. And we know this. They just ignore it. They act like it's not real because I was married to a man. They're like, oh, no, it's fine. She's straight because she was married to a man and we only see her dating men. 
And I'm just like, the only reason you don't see me dating women is because I won't bring them around for you to chastise. Yeah. Although I feel as though as I'm in these, like whenever I go back and I, you know, when you, you know, when you visit and you drive past the school you went to or the diner you always ate at or or the Bojangles. I always have to drive past the school I went to when I go visit my parents for Christmas. Because you lived right across the street. Yeah. And they still live there. And it's like, I remember driving past and going around and every once in a while it would trigger a different memory. In my mind, I'm thinking, I hope I don't run into this person that I hated. I hope I don't run into this person who Same made me, every time. Who made me feel like shit. Like, I mean, okay, so last last week and last episode, my friend Keisha and I talked about trauma bonding, right? Yeah. And you and I, when we became friends, we were trauma bonding. Oh, 100%. Everything about the start of our friendship was a trauma bond. It was like we were both in such bad places in our lives because of the situation, because of the surrounding that we had with us, you know? Oh, yeah. And and we allowed ourselves friends who weren't good for us just so we could have other friends, right? You, let's be real. I should not be your only friend and you should not be mine. Oh, hell no. We We are great friends if we are not constantly hanging out. We found this out living together. We did. <laughs> and I, I love you desperately. You, we would me, never do it again. Never to again. Me, to me, you are like my brother. But in that same regards, I also still can't stand my, my own brother. brother for more than like a couple of days at a time. So I get it. Like, and it's just, it is, it's one of those things. It's like we came out of Chambon and we love each other deeply and we go crazy. But it's as though I also, whenever I visit, I'm thinking, I'm so glad I came out of that dark space that I was in. Yeah. I'm so glad that I was able, because there are people who still live in the small town because they don't, they didn't have the opportunity to get out. Yeah. And then there's some that, there are some that I know, that you also know, that I know, exa- I know you know exactly who I'm talking about. The who- Carolina, t- the Carolina 10, the New York 5. Oh, yeah. Okay. The one, the one who, like, 90% of them staying in North Carolina and staying where she stays is out of almost guilt. Yeah. And I'm just like, if you would leave at least at least leave Wendell yeah and live elsewhere for a year two five years like one to five years live in somewhere other than Wendell North Carolina like your family has people to take care of them that are not you you don't need to stay there and there are a lot of people who live in these small towns who have the opportunity to leave and never leave. And then there are yeah. the other ones who they just can't stay away. You know, the people who 
they leave their hometown, they go and travel, they do what they can, they live in other places, but something always draws them back. Yeah, our uh, our other roommate when we were living together is one of those. Yeah, and it's just because like- I think I think she would leave, and I think if she didn't have other people that really relied on her and kept drawing her back, I think she could leave and she could thrive and be just so much more than the almost mousy person that she is there. Yeah. And then I have, and then we have like one of our other friends who, who uh, her and her husband are the perfect people to either they can, they can thrive either living there or moving away. I'm trying to think of who this is. Danny and Jacob. Oh yeah, absolutely. They are, they can survive there. They can survive anywhere. It's because they are number one. They're not tied there by responsibilities or a guilt or a need to stay and take care of things. They're there because they're comfortable and happy. Yes. Which is a completely different beast than any of the other people we've talked about. And I love, like, seeing them, like, post on social media, like, oh, traveled here, traveled there. And I'm like, yes. Like, yes. Like, I I love seeing you outside of home, and I love seeing you at home. Like, what can't you do? You know what I mean? Like, I look at them. They When I tell you, whenever I say, like, Whenever someone asks me about couple goals, I'm like, that's one of my first couples that I look at. And I'm like, I want to be you when I grow up. Because there's always the added thing of like, when you live in a small town, you feel such a need to be in a couple at at some point. Oh, yeah. And there's always that pressure. Because that's the only way you can function. Because everybody else, like... It always it's like, why don't you have, why don't you a, have a partner? Town. Something wrong with you if you don't have a partner. Well, it's also that if you're in a small town, you have a small group of friends. And you have this small group of friends that you're always hanging out with. And either you're all single together or you're all in relationships together. And if you are the odd one out in your friend group that's single when everybody else is in a relationship. Hello. Hi. My name is Finn. Hello. Hi. I'm the one that's going through still a separation because my ex-husband's a dick and uh that was hell like trying to explain to that group that literally everyone in that group got married after I did trying to explain to that group that I was getting separated and my reasons why I needed to leave him made me feel guilty about it even though I was leaving for my own mental health. You and Kayla were the only people in that group that I told that that I didn't feel some kind of guilt about telling. And, and because like, let me, let's be real. Me being me, I come from a family where my grandmother only married men so she could have her own bank account. Like, let's be honest, right? So yeah. I didn't believe that you had to stay with your partner for whatever reason. It, your only time you should stay with your partner, and my grandmother taught me this, was that if you're happy and you're both well for each other and you're both happy with and without each other, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
you she said don't be hit peace find your own and then y'all both be peaceful together yeah and that's one of those things that like a lot of small towns like I remember feeling it was weird. Like in high school, everyone looked at me weird whenever I dated somebody because they were like, oh, you're queer. You found another queer person in this town. How? Where? Does he actually live yeah. in this town? And I was like, no, he lives in the next town over, goes to a completely different high school. He is not made up. I promise I will post pictures on MySpace this Saturday. And then I had to post pictures yeah. on MySpace. But it was just like, and then when we became a, then like, you know, after you graduate high school, the pressure of like, well, how come you guys aren't getting married yet? And I'm like, bruh, y'all just got comfortable with me having a nigga. What, you want me to get married to him now? Yeah, no, like that was one of the biggest reasons why I ended up marrying my ex-husband was because as a Southern raised woman in my life, I was expected and it's it's an unspoken expectation. It's that you're going to get married in your 20s and you're going to start having kids before you're 30. And then your 30s are dedicated to you raising kids and having a family. And I was already fucking up that expectation by saying that I never want kids. Right. Because I don't. I still don't. I'm 30 now and I still never want to ever have a child like it would take a lot of convincing by someone that I love with my entire soul that I find my soulmate it would take so much convincing for them to get me to adopt a child let alone the amount of convincing it would take to convince me to ever try to be pregnant so I'm glad you did also say adoption because a lot of people think that in order to have to have a family, you have to give birth. And I'm like, no, adopting is great. And they're like, well, well about the only way I would ever have a child is if I was adopting. And yeah, because like, number one, I was like this close, like really small amount, like very close to like being in the system, waiting for somebody to adopt me, all that good stuff. So like, I always look at adoption like, very I always look at adoption first even though I don't want kids either like I remember I told my grandmother and it's funny like my grandparents are New Yorkers my grandparents are you know the my my grandfather came over here on a boat and went through Ellis Island like he is the immigrant all right yeah the immigrant dad who falls asleep at the kitchen table watching Judge Judy in the middle of the day like he is the immigrant dad and I remember telling them I didn't want kids and they just kept looking at me like, but you need to have a family and all this stuff. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know I'm not hearing from the two most cosmopolitan people I've ever met in my life. Okay. Telling me that I have to do things a very specific way. And they were like, well, yeah, because we don't want you to end up like us old and angry. I'm like, I'm angry now. Let me, I, if I reach old, that would be great. I think my favorite argument that people throw at me is, well, what are you going to do when you're older? Who's going to take care of you? And I'm just like, why the fuck do my kids have to take care of me if I have kids? Like, if, there's a if high I'm, probability my kids would throw me into a fucking nursing home anyways. Like, what does it fucking matter? I can throw myself into a fucking nursing home. And if I have, and if I made enough money in my lifetime, I can afford a nice one. Exactly. Like, I don't fucking need somebody to hang around and wait until I need somebody to wipe my ass again. And I really don't, I don't want need to be- give birth to a caregiver. That is not 
a motivation to have a child to me. And it's crazy because like, it's so interesting looking at all the people that we knew in high school who now have kids. And well, most of that friend group is pregnant. Like we just had one in that friend group that just had a, that just had a baby. Her second. Uh, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me, let me, let me, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I only follow two of y'all on social media now. One of them blocked me. One of them blocked me. We know who. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, Not that one that had a baby. No, I know who had the baby because she's the only one other than you that I still follow. Yeah. Okay. Now her and I don't really talk. Now, now the other one is the one that's far, far closer and further up the other one's ass. Yeah, because she's probably one of the only ones she got left. Yeah, because, uh, you know, the one that lived with her for a while. Gone. She, uh. Gone. They've, they've been having far more outs than ons. And it's wild. I'm glad, like, I can keep you as, like, my little local zine for this. I'm so glad. Um, because, like, not for nothing, it was, it's funny because, like, of how I left, right? Because when, like you said, when you live in small towns and you have these same friends forever, mind you, I always had multiple, like, two, at least two yeah. tight friend groups that I always kept around. Remember, I had my boys and then I had y'all. Oh, yeah. And I remember, like, she would get mad about me having groups that she didn't know about, like, people who didn't live in our small town, who didn't grow up in our small town, you know? Because yeah. it's like, how dare you leave me? Yeah. And then when I finally said enough is enough, enough is enough is enough, I was done and she did not like it Mm -hmm. and it's crazy because like those people know each other so much and like that's all they've got in their tightness right now because as we get older yes we all still live in like not for nothing like if you get older and you still live in the same small town yeah you might have some of the same friends you grew up with but you got kids, you got jobs, you got families. You can't always hang out with each other. So the ones that you still are able to always hang out with, that's a lot of times the most outreach that you get outside of your small town everyday life. Yeah. You know, like, and I, I mean, at times there are part of me that always felt bad for the people who stayed. You know, I feel bad for a lot of people who did stay, who couldn't get out. At the same time, I lived there. I had a lot of my formative years there. My mind is not the same mind that it was years ago when I was living there. And my mind changed while I was living there. It's not like I, my mind completely changed right after I left. No, my mind started changing while I was living there. Yeah, I can definitely say that happened for me too because... When I was still living there, I was starting to form a different friend group that no longer exists for me. But like that in that different friend group, I had made a friend who I was extremely close to. And one of one of the things she said to me was, you know, pretty much just 
one of the best things you could ever do is leave your hometown. And it doesn't matter if you're leaving your home state, just leave your hometown. Yeah. And live outside of your hometown and get a change of scenery. And that that really resonated with me and then shortly after I actually was when I moved up to Maryland to live with another girl that was in the friend group and then that exploded and now I'm living even further north. I'm just slowly making my way to New York, which just slowly you're almost here. You're almost here. It's it's really dumb. And I know it sounds really dumb when I say it, but when I went to New York and I did get to hang out with you, like one of the days that I was walking around, I was walking around with a former friend and as we were walking, we were just kind of talking about everything. And I just, like, I had this weird sense of like peace and I told her, I was like, New York feels like home. It's the first place that's ever felt like home to me because nowhere in North Carolina feels like home. It feels like a trap. It feels like I'm just- And they are, those traps are actually on the highway. The RPD <laughs> is looking for your asses. They really, okay. they really are. But like North Carolina, everything about North Carolina feels like I'm trapped and chained there and that it'll never go away but new york felt like peace and home and comfortable like that one i told you about the one night that we were that i was up there hanging out with you and i got stuck in new york because the train stopped working yeah like it's not uncommon (laughs) oh no i know it's not but i wasn't like we pay so damn much we pay so damn much i complain about the mpa every fucking day of my life it is my most toxic relationship i have dated some terrible ass men and the new york mta system is the most terrible relationship that i've ever had and yet and yet and yet I will take having a train system like this over driving a fucking car ever again. And see, so I got, I got kind of stuck in New York for like maybe an hour or two by myself, like entirely alone, like getting directions literally from like the employees of the MTA, which I will admit, I will admit, when I went up to ask them, like, what I was supposed to do, I put on the thickest country accent I could muster. It worked. To tell them, like, where am I supposed to go so that they wouldn't, like, yell at me. Look, I'll be real. There are like, they were really fucking nice about it because I think they knew I wasn't from there. I'm be real. There are sometimes when I look at, like, I, I my country accent comes out and I'm like, you know what? I feel like this is the right moment for me to start saying the word chivalry. <laughs> I know that the only time anyone has ever heard the word chivalry is if they saw the play or read the book To Kill a Mockingbird. I know that that's the only time y'all ever heard that word. But you know <laughs> what? I'm going to use that right now because in we are in a moment where I need to let you know I'm country so that I don't have to deal with anything else going on around here. 
Exactly. I don't want, like, when tourists come up to me, like, when tourists come up to me in the middle of, like, the road and they try to ask me directions, I'll be like, um, I don't know my damn self. I'm, I just came up here from Raleigh, North Carolina. I don't know how to get over there because I don't want you asking me questions. Leave me yeah. alone. And the only reason that I even asked these people for help was because they were employees of the train. That was the only reason I asked. I was like, okay, this is your job. I'm going to ask you because it's your job. But let me put on this real thick country accent so that maybe you don't think that I have any idea so that you know maybe not to yell at me. Please don't yell at me. I'm just a, I'm just a nice, sweet Christian woman from I'm Nightdale, North Carolina. I'm just a sweet North little Southern Belle. All I need to know is how to get back to my hotel that's in New Jersey. I've never been up here before. This is a whole new world for me. Did y'all know y'all got some colors running around on the street? Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know that my my grandpappy would have a conniption if he done thought it? Oh, my God. I love conniption. That is my favorite word to say in my Southern accent. Conniption is fun to say. It's just like... You know, I about had a conniption when I just ran around and I just saw all of this, this difference. Y'all have naked men walking around in Times Square. Y'all got, y'all got the gays. Y'all know the gays out here too? I told my husband he better not go out by himself, not near them gays. Cause you know, our, our hotel was not too far away from them gays. And I, and my husband, he like going out for drink by himself. And I don't need him doing that by himself. I don't I don't know. I don't want him to catch the gay. He can't be catching the gay and then bringing it back to Nightdale. What are we going to do if he brings the gay back to Nightdale? We can't have that. And then I have to leave him and I got all these kids. No, 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 no. He ain't going out with the gay by himself. And you know, my my cousin, she brought her man up here and he picked up that, what was it called? It was called uh, the grinder. He picked up one of them. He brought them all back. Yo. Yo. <laughs> them poor women finding out about Grinder from having a man who's doing Grinder. It's beautiful to me. It's so beautiful. And it's not, look, I don't, I'm not, I don't advocate for people, for men lying to their partners. Okay. No, they don't advocate you, for anyone lying to if their partners. You, if you are bisexual, if you are gay, just let your partner know. That's it. That is the bare minimum. Just be like, honest about it. Like, I mean, I'm also, if can't, I also. If they can't accept you as that, then they don't need to be your fucking partner anyway. Right, because like I also know that there's a lot of people who deal with biphobia was from a female partner. And oh, I yeah. ain't trying to, I'm not trying to get into that today. Let me not get into that today because that's a whole other can of worms that I'm going to say. That's a whole other rant for a different day. Oh my God. Oh my God. But I do like, okay, so so before we segue into the next topic, I do just want to ask you like, are you glad that you left your small town? Oh, fuck yeah. There is is no hesitation there. There is nothing I like more than having gotten the fuck out and like my like my parents I was living with them before I moved back up here because of a lot of financial issues and everything and me me and my parents we fight about a lot of shit we do 
we're working on getting to the point of at least having them understand my point of view a little bit more and understanding that my point of view is valid as an adult that knows things and we're taking baby steps but like getting out was the best thing I could have ever done because now now I can start taking those baby steps with my family to getting my family to understanding like how I see the world and also how the world's seeing them yeah because me and my mom actually had a very good baby step conversation one day about specifically unconscious biases and it was impressive because my mother stated like pretty much how like you know like she she doesn't hate anybody she she loves everyone she wants everyone to do well but like oh this there like this racism they're talking about isn't like real and I was like actually it is though yeah and our baby our baby step conversation which was a very baby step was I talked to her about like as little as names I was like you're when you're thinking about black people people of color in your life that you know that have succeeded what are their names oh there's always some christian anglican name and hers were like melvin lawrence like a couple other like really neutral names and i was like you do realize that you did not in any of those names that you just gave me give one culturally significant name to either African people, African-American people, Black people, Hispanic people, Latin people, Latinx people. Latinx. Look at you coming through, coming through. I was trying to think of how to pronounce it. (laughs) It took me a minute, but I'm getting there. But I was like, you didn't once give me a culturally significant name. It's only names that are appropriate by European standard. Yeah. And I was like, you do realize that people who have names like Tyshawn or like uh, Jose or like anything that's like a little bit out of the norm for European white people. Sometimes their resume literally just goes in the trash. Because that's obviously not a quote-unquote educated person. Right. And, because and their funny. name sounds, sounds not white. And, it's funny and my mom like, finally came to the, and she was like, you're, you're right. We are kind of, we are kind of prejudicial on names. Yeah. And I was no, like, and that's a big problem in itself and that was our last like baby step conversation but I got my mom to realize something and she admitted it and she started looking at it different which is huge I always think of like your when you leave your hometown and it's funny because it's not just small towns 
You know, it's not just small town where people have biases. It's not oh, just yeah. small town because I know people born and raised New Yorkers. They've never left their neighborhood. Like there are certain oh, yeah. people who were born and raised in Bensonhurst and never left Bensonhurst. People born and raised in Bed-Stuy never left Bed-Stuy. You know what I mean? Like they don't even, some people don't even know. Um, they, like if they go to Manhattan, they only know that one part of Manhattan, you know, and then that's it from the train to that block that they got to be at. So it's not just, it's not just small town people. It's also big city people. When you live in your hometown your entire life and you never leave it or never even step outside of that neighborhood or that, you know, cause I look at a neighborhood in New York. Like I look at a town in, in North Carolina. Oh yeah. Right. Because they have almost sizes and population and stuff like that. So by leaving that town or that neighborhood, you are going to form a different perspective. The only thing that people up here if you have. Don't leave, it seems like all you're doing is concreting your own biases that you've either been raised with, ones that you formed yourself, or ones that have been forced upon you. You're and just you know, concreting them. And you know what's funny is the people that I know who have left their hometown and their parents still live back there, they still have a relationship with their families, is that a lot of times I've heard so many people say I have a better relationship with my parents now that I don't live near them than I did when I did live near them. Oh, 100% I do. But most of that's also because I've always been the independent one of the family that, like... Did I... not, look, love y'all, do not need y'all to be in my face every day. Exactly. My, my brother, my brother 100% moved in, like, not 15 minutes away from my parents, and he will never leave being more than 15 minutes away from my parents. He can't do it. My mother had to kick him out of the house four different times after he turned 18 because they kept bringing him back because we're family. They're going to help us. But my brother took advantage of that. And I'm the person that has a problem calling and being like, hey, my job is really shitty. And I need like $100 to live for the next like two weeks. Like, like, I have really? a problem with that. And my brother is like the first person to be like, hey, can you co-sign on this loan so I can start my business? With no, no like, shame. And I'm just like, I don't like calling you. But like <laughs> with me, it's like my family is like, we're all very independent in weird ways, but we're all like very dependent on each other and my family. And I was one of the first ones to be like, nope, that's not going to be me. Not me in New York, not me in, in, in fucking Carolina. That won't be me in Georgia. I'm not doing it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm not going to always be with you and near you. Like the fact that I live 45 minutes away from my grandfather by train in, and when he lived that in Brooklyn is enough. Okay. That's yeah. enough. Like that is still too close. That is driving from the west end of Raleigh all the way to Wendell. Like, that is too close. Yeah. my So, my dad... My dad is very much the quiet, less, like, emotional of my parents. But my dad is the one that doesn't like that I'm so far away. Yeah, my dad can't stand it. My dad wants me and my brother to live in the same neighborhood as him and live our entire lives in the same neighborhood as him so that he can be comfortable and know that we're okay. My mom, my mom has always been the one like, please leave the house. 
please get out of the house. I don't Just want please. you here. I don't want, go please with please God, please. go with God. We raised you, I will pray for you, go away. <laughs> like that is my mother. And you know what's funny is that like- And my, my mother mind. is perfectly happy and fine that I'm like, she, well, okay. She's not even really perfectly happy and fine that I'm states away. She's still like worried, but she's more like, you seem like you're taking care of yourself. And that's the most I can ask of you. Just try and call home at least once a week. And I never do. Look, I, five years ago, I hopped on a bus in North Carolina and came all the way up to New York. Okay. On the Greyhound, 12 hour trip. I never wanted to go back. Right. And my mother, my mother called my phone every day of the week. For three months straight. Oh yeah, that was when you picked back up on them, uh, them new ports. <laughs> and yep, that's when I started smoking new ports. I was like, oh, this bitch. Oh no. Look, let me tell you something. There's one thing my mother can do. She can make you drink or smoke. One of them. All right. Like I'm high now, but like I'm not high. I'm not as high as I would be if my mother was calling me every day like she used to. All right. <laughs> One time, I'll never forget, one time my mother called me and she wanted to FaceTime and my ass smoked a bowl right on the FaceTime. She's like, are you smoking marijuana? And I'm like, yeah, bitch, you called me. And my mom knows, like, I love her to death. I do. But I can't live near you. I cannot. Like, we've tried this. We've done this. We've lived together. We've lived separate. We've lived near each other. I. It only works. If you don't have access to my house yeah. at any given point in time, I want to be able to know that I can be sitting in my Ninja Turtle jammies watching Power Rangers on a Saturday morning <laughs> eating a bowl of Cinnamon Toast Crunch knowing that that woman is not walking into my door interrupting my vibe. <laughs> All right? But I am glad that she is happy living in the small town. She yeah. was raised in the city. She is a Brooklyn girl to the day she dies. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But, but she is better in a small town. The only issue is she definitely picked up a lot more small town ideologies. Yeah. You know, than I would have hoped for her because my grandparents didn't. But by the time they moved down there, they were like, retirement age my mom was still young when she moved down there yeah so it's like i'm glad that she's happy in the small town but i ain't doing it i couldn't do it i i feel like if you're happy if you like it i love it but i'm gonna love it from a distance okay now before we close out i have to ask you one very important question it is not Life or death, but it is important for me. <laughs> Wanny, why are you canceled this week, bitch? Uh, <laughs> so I've been thinking about this since you told me that I was going to be on the podcast. And I was like, why would I be canceled? Uh, <laughs> so... I wouldn't say I am currently canceled for it, but that if it comes out, which I mean, I'm not, I like to think I'm an open book, so it'll come out eventually. 
We are writing memoirs, okay? Millennials are writing memoirs, motherfucker. I will be canceled for my subscription and love of Yagami Yato. (laughs) Now, child, I want you to know, this is my accent come out. I want you to know, I have not the faintest idea what you just said. (laughs) Okay. So, pardon me. So, Yagami Yato is a creator on YouTube. And it is a woman from my understanding. They identify as a woman. And she does character voiced ASMRs. Oh, oh, you just said ASMR and my mind was like, no, thank you. It's different. It's different than what you're thinking. I usually don't like ASMR either. Okay. I don't need to hear motherfuckers be eaten. Oh, no, 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 no. Nothing like that. So what it is, is this woman does these different voices for these different characters from like animes or I think she has a couple from video games, but like, it's just these characters and they're talking to you. I can't. Okay. Keep going. You, you might not like it, but I really enjoy it. And when I was having a really hard time sleeping, I would throw on a Yagami Yato video, which is usually about 45 minutes, and it would just knock me out, like, real quick. And the amazing part of it to me is that it's this woman who does these deep male voices. And it's insanely talented. Like, you cannot tell, tell, you cannot tell that this is a woman. But you really can't tell that it's a woman doing these voices. and. The biggest reason why it would get me canceled is that a lot of people are on this kick of, like, stop sexualizing animated characters. They're underage. And it's just like, see, that would fly if she was doing them at their high school ages, but she's time skipping. She's doing these characters as adults. And there are... She started out not doing anything remotely sexual with these characters like all of her scripts were very like safe for work like conscious like just comfort audios right but then fans started asking her for more sexualized content so she started creating more sexualized content while aging up the characters to be able to do that without like sexualizing Mm -hmm. minors okay but the issue is that everybody's still saying that it's sexualizing minors because she's just aging up characters and like 90% of these characters that she does anyways are adult characters. <laughs> like. So you just got a convoluted reason for being canceled. Why, why can't you ever be a simple person? I've never known you to be simple with your answers for anything. I don't know because okay. I don't. I don't actually know any other reason I would be canceled. Okay. Like I said, I've been thinking about that since you asked me to be on this podcast. I was like, why the fuck would I be canceled? I was going to, I was, mm, what were you expecting? Because I don't know. I was expecting, I was, I mean, I would have canceled you for, for, for the way you kept your room in high school, but, or, or lying to your mama. About a very specific thing. I mean, that also still 
wouldn't get me canceled because that wouldn't get you canceled. That wouldn't get you canceled, but it would get you canceled for lying to thy mother. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure my mother actually knows about all that now. Look at look at us adulting, telling our parents the truth about the shit that would have gotten us killed as children. Well, let's also let's also take it and bear in mind that I now live states away from my mother and also. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? Send UPS an ass woman? I wish you would. <laughs> like second day, I second day air. And I've also definitely done worse the last time I was living with you. So here's everything that I did in high school that you uh. I'm just laid out. Like right after high school that you would have killed me for. So let me just make this seem better. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start in the blow for the current president. All right. So I'm so glad that you did this with me. I'm very glad I got to talk to you about it. It was really fun. I miss I, talking to you like this. Like, uh, yeah, because like we have to just sit down and talk about everything. All you the know, time. once every couple of weeks, we need to just like, you know, talk maybe zoom call maybe just a phone call and just let it out just every couple of weeks just just there's just so much there's just so much we are still in the middle of a pan a panorama a peter pan uh a passe doble um a um a, a picnic um we are still in the middle of a panini bread you know and i can't you know, so we do need to, like, let it out and have a good conversation, especially with those that we still love. Uh, like I said, I, I'm really glad that you did it with me. I'm glad I got to talk about these things. I feel like I, I've always already been canceled, and I'm cool with that. Fuck y'all bitches anyway. So uh, you give us your TikTok again. It's at Binguranny, B-I-N-G-U-R-A-N-I. Perfect. And as of about uh, a few days ago, the Instagram for this podcast is up and running. So it is Finn is Cancelled on Instagram. I might post a photo of me and you chilling at the Black Flower, looking like somebody, looking like that couple who's about to give somebody the eyebrow and be like, hey, my wife and I think you're cute. Like, we looked like that couple in that photo. We really did, though. Maybe if I can find a black flower bass and selfie of myself, I will definitely post it. Uh, I think I have a post. I think I have like, I'll check. I'll check the interwebs. But um, thank you for joining me. And this is already canceled with Finn. I've already been canceled.